Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Basillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Two things, you know what I'm going to say. Download the app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And if you want to help a couple of Jersey guys out, uh, we're on our social media at you on YouTube at the Frontline TV and on Twitter, primarily at with Joe and Joe at with Joe and Joe. Uh, help us out. Click something like subscribe, share, follow, do all that fun stuff. We're trying to get out to a wider audience. Uh, and today we're very pleased and honored to be joined by Peter and Debbie Herbeck. And we're going to be discussing their new book, Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ centered marriage now peter and debbie you're new to the show if there's something that joe and i you know we're doing a lot of culture war stuff spiritual battle because that's of course we all acknowledge as catholics that's what we're in okay obviously we know from our lady what's going to be the final battle okay it's going to be over marriage and the family we're so thrilled that you're on our show to discuss the importance of keeping jesus at the center of your marriage uh let me give a quick bio most of you out there know peter and debbie herbeck having said that peter is the executive vice president and director of missions for renewal ministries he is the co-host of the weekly television show the choices we face and the host of the daily radio show fire on the earth he's a frequent conference speaker and is the author of when the spirit comes in power and co-author of when the spirit speaks and touched by god's word with his wife debbie peter holds a ba in philosophy from St. Thomas University in St. Paul, Minnesota, and an MA in theology from Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, Michigan. Deborah Herbeck is the founder and executive director of Pine Hills Girls Camp and is also the founder and leader of Be Love Revolution, a ministry that exists to help young women encounter Christ and be his love to all they meet. Debbie has written several books and is a frequent author and speaker for Blessed Is She and contributing writer for Undone, Freeing Your Feminine Heart, from the knots of fear and shame. Debbie and Peter live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and have four children and 10 grandchildren. Peter and Debbie Herbeck, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe, our friends. Uh, it's great to be here, you guys. Great to hang out with a couple of Jersey guys, a couple of Jersey boys. A couple of yes, Italians Ralph, over here. because we've had Ralph on. <laughs> Ralph's from Jersey. He actually grew up near us, actually. Yeah, yeah T-Neck, New Jersey, didn't he? He's yes, already- I'm in Hasbro Heights, right by the George Washington yeah. Bridge. He's a little bit north of me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm formally over the years. I had the privilege of knowing meeting uh, some very dynamic Catholic men over the years uh, in from New Jersey area priests and laymen. Uh, it's been a great blessing. Some very good stuff happening out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, on the other hand, got out of Dodge about a year and a half ago. So I'm in Arizona. So um, and, there's, and and the Catholic community here, the cat like just in general. Uh, is is fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, reverent masses, uh, you know, and and good and faithful Catholics who are, who are you know living the Catholic life, but you know, you could see it in the community. So it's really good out here. Having said that, um, I mean, we're 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 here to talk about marriage in the family, and 
I, I mean, for the life of me, I can't think of a more important topic. But let's I'm going to hand it over to Joe. We'll start with a prayer and, and then we'll go from there. We always start with a prayer to Our Lady in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother, the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Well, as, as Joe said, I think this is a very important uh, conversation because ultimately I think a lot of marriages, even within our church, aren't sacramental. And I think that's why they're failing, to be honest with you. I've been married, Joe and I, 10 years. We're brother-in-laws, actually. Uh, we're married to Haitian-American women. Um, and, uh, to be honest with you, we need God in our marriages is, and I'm assuming that's why you wrote the book. I mean, like, this is what the culture needs. I don't think people know what marriage is. Um, I'll, I'll start it with that. So why don't, why don't we, uh, first start with Debbie and then we'll go to, uh, Peter. Well, I think you both are absolutely right that this is the, you know, ground zero of where the battle is at in the family and in married life. And so um, I think it's important to fortify Catholics, begin with Catholics who supposedly are um, in a sacramental marriage, whether they're availing themselves of the power that's there or not. So I think um, part of our goal was not to write a, a know-it-all book or a how-to book, but more like how um, just reflect on our own life together and how we've really tried to put Jesus at the center of our marriage and the fruit that that's borne in the past 30, almost 37 years that we've been married. Yeah, and I think a couple of years ago, you guys, we, Debbie and I were talking and, it, you know, as we live out our mission together, I said, you know, honey, I, I think the Lord the Lord wants us to dial in more strategically, like set aside a quarter of our time or something that's focused on strengthening family life, especially helping young people. I mean, you got you you see the statistics, Wall Street Journal just, you know, week ago that Chicago, University of Chicago study, just like the 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 importance of family life, the importance of children, the importance of faith is just dramatically dropping, you know, like a stone in water in the country. And we know. Because the Lord, you know, his, he always reveals his secrets to the prophets, and the number one prophet is Our Lady, and others, and John Paul II, and others said, look, this is, a, this is an epic battle we're living through. And the battle, as Debbie said, ground zero is the family. So we feel like, you know, we said, well, let's make a contribution and weigh in more strategically, because we have a lot on our plate already doing a variety of things, but, but this is where the book came from. We didn't go, we didn't decide to sit down and write a book. Uh, Scott Hahn and the folks at Emmaus Road contacted us and said, hey, would you guys write a book on marriage? And initially, I kind of thought, no, I don't feel like an expert. But he said, basically, tell your story and tell your story how, how you lived out your marriage, your strength. And weakness. so I said, if we can write a book that's practical, uh, not too long. So there's a shot that guys might read it if it's not if it's too long, you know, something short that's to the point uh, and that can help them catch a vision. Uh, and share it with their their wives. We, we that's basically what why we said yes to it, and we're really grateful that we did it. You you mentioned that we should start with Catholics. Joe and I um, we've always been saying constantly in the last four years that we've been doing our show is that look just you mentioned the fruit. I think Debbie, you mentioned you see the fruits of your marriage. The Catholic divorce rate is as high as any other demographic in America. However, statistically. 
when surveyed, I forgot where the study was done, uh, those Catholics who just on a very basic level go to Mass every week, pray every night, okay, and avail themselves of the sacraments, generally confession around once, or, let's say once every one, one or two months, the divorce rate drops to 4%. And natural family planning. That's a stone cold fact. You want to see the fruit? No, he's good. I'll, I'll tell you an example from my own life, guys. And if you're just joining us, Peter and Debbie Herbeck here, joining us to the front line with Joe and Joe, and please go out and buy their book from the publisher, Emmaus Road Publishing, Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered uh, Marriage. Um, well, Joe and I don't walk on water, and I'm sure you guys don't either, okay? However, all right, because we all have our problems, and marriage is not, it, it, is, it is difficult, all right? However, without Christ, without the sacraments, any one of us could be one of those statistics. Why are we not? Because Christ is at the center. I love your comments on that, because like you said, we want to focus on Catholics and try to strengthen Catholic families. Start availing yourself of the sacraments, going to Mass and praying every day. That's a great place to start. Debbie, I'll start with you. I think you're so right. Um, I love the scripture that's always spoke to me my whole converted life about the man who, who finds a treasure buried in the field. And what does he do? He goes and he sells all to be able to purchase this treasure because he sees how valuable it is. And I think there's so many Catholics that have not found the treasure, even though it's sitting probably, so to speak, in their backyard. And the treasure is Christ in the church, you know, the bridegroom. Um, and when people fall in love with Jesus, they fall in love with the church. Um, they fall more deeply in love with their spouse if they're married with the concept of family life, with the saints, with all of it. And so I think Catholics are sitting, you know, sitting on a, a you know, a virtual gold mine that can really help them in their, in their life together, marriage and family life. And they just haven't tapped into it because they have not encountered the living Christ. Peter, your comments on that. Yeah. I mean, I think we, that one of the central themes in the book that speaks to our life experience was, you know, we're, when we got married, we both were believers. Debbie's a Jewish convert to the faith, or she's a completed Jew, I guess you'd say. And, <laughs> and uh, we, so we both had lives that we had come to the point in our lives at different times to really surrender our life to Christ as the Lord of our life. We're, and what's the meaning of that? It means I'm, gonna, I'm a sinful, broken man. She's a you know, weak and broken person, just like every, every one of us. But we're now, we had made the decision to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. St. Paul says, make it your aim to please the Lord. Now, that's pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's a simple way to look at living life. And that's what I was trying to do as a single guy. And then we got married. We said, in marriage, that's essentially what we're trying to do together now. Let's bring our relationship, our, our friendship in Christ, our unity, our sexual life, our finances, everything that we have, let's do everything we can to know that Jesus is in this relationship with us, and he's going to teach us how to love. He's going to teach us how to overcome our obstacles, our weaknesses, our sin, our pride, and he's going to help us to do that. So, that I mean, the central thing was we could have put, we could have had a different title probably, living under the lordship of Jesus or making it your aim, and that's been a huge help to us to just say, let's come together in prayer and, and just make a decision to say, honey, let's, we all have our preferences, but let's do what pleases him the most. Let's ask him when we're struggling and let's do that thing, you know? So 
I'd say that's the heart of what we tried to do. And sometimes we did it really well. Other times we failed, but he keeps uh, coming back, you know? So now I hear you. And, and, it, and it is difficult. I'll tell you, I'm going to hand it over to Joe, but I'll tell you just a quick comment is, you know, trusting, trusting in Jesus is not just some sort of a slogan. Um, it, it's what we're supposed to do with our lives, which is have faith in him. Um, not easy. It's not something we throw around this. Oh, just trust in Jesus. That's not an easy thing. We're Americans, remember. We're all self-reliant. We could all do it. Rugged individualism. Not the easiest thing in the world to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Um, you know, take the rudder. Take take control. Um, and I think that's one of the barriers we have in America is we, we have to try to somehow break that, shift the paradigm a little, break away from that rugged individual you know, nothing wrong with individualism, but the thing is, but but we have to trust in God because if you think it's working, go look out the window. Joe Ristinello loves to say that on the show all the time. It ain't working. It's chaos out there. Um, so that's that's my little comment on that. Joe Ristinello. I, I want to explore something you said, Peter, because I think it's very important. It, it was a very humble statement, like, I am a sinful person. I need God. I approach it in the same way. I tried things my way. At 22 years old, I realized and I'm 52 now, my way doesn't work. It doesn't work. And here's another thing, and we're all capable people. Capable people think their way works. Sorry, it doesn't. God's way works. And that's the missing link, I think. People are dead set on thinking, I can do it. I don't care if you went to MIT. I don't care if you played basketball professionally and you have a 10-digit bank account. It doesn't work because we are who we are. We are sinners. And with God, he fixes us. He makes us complete. Talk about that because I think that's the foundational understanding which prevents people from actually doing what we're trying to do. They think, oh, no, I could do it. Oh, I got a great job. My wife's beautiful. My kids got a 1500 on the SAT. My son's a linebacker. Oh, everything's great. Oh, is it? Is it great? Talk about that because too many people actually prescribe to that. And I think it's a mistake. Well, you can certainly see the state of marriages and family life across the country, across all demographics of people who try to go on their own and how how few are able to pass on the faith, how few are even to hold their marriages together in different ways. So the question is, the key question for a Catholic is to say, what is what does it mean to be great? What does it mean to be to really live a, a, a fulfilled life in this earth? Jesus put it this way in, Luke, in Luke's gospel, I think it was chapter 22, when he's talking to the rich young man, he said, you know, that he said, the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. He said, this is the first and the greatest thing. This is what heaven crowns, someone who lives and puts God first in their life. It's what heaven celebrates. It's what will ultimately be crowned great. Now, we talk about the GOAT. We're men. You know, people talk about GOATs all the time. You know, is it Tom Brady? Is it, you know, who's the GOAT quarterback, the greatest of all time? Whether it's sports, that stuff's all fun. But guess what? Jesus Christ is the greatest of all time. He's the definition. And on the cross, he defined for us what he taught. He demonstrated it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Philippians 2 said this. He humbled himself by becoming obedient, even to death on a cross. That's the way to greatness. 
to, to seek to obey God with all your heart out of love. Put him first. That's the game changer. If God's on the sidelines, if he's number two or number three, because I got game and I got dreams and I don't want to get too serious about religion or God because it's going to ruin my weekend or get in the way of my plans. I just want to put a toe in the water to sort of hang in there in case, you know, there really is a hell. I don't want to go there, but I mainly want to do what I want to do on this earth. Guess what? You aren't going to you aren't going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen in your family. It's not going to happen in your own life. But the Lord wants to bear fruit through you. But you got to do it His way. You got to put Him first. And if you do that, Jesus said, "If you abide in Me, you'll bear much fruit. If you don't abide in Me, you aren't going to bear fruit. You're going to meet Me someday in eternal life. There's an appointment in your future, and you're going to either have fruit in that tree or you're not. And it's going to tell whether what you loved in this world. And you know, anyway. So go ahead." Poor Debbie, I, you know, I'm like you guys, you know. No, it's so good. Like, I love it. I love yeah, we're, it. We're, we're, we're big mouths, as you could tell. <laughs> you can't shut us up. Debbie, yeah. we love your comments, please. Um, I just think the perspective of eternity and eternal life is so important. It levels everyone's playing field because I don't care how much money you have or how gifted or talented, we're all going to die. And this life is a breath. It's a passing shadow. And I think... Um, to, you know, the scriptures say, um, um, the one who fears the Lord is the one, um, teach me to number my days, O Lord, that I might have wisdom of heart. When we understand that this is not all there is to life, that one day our life will end, and besides just ending, um, we will stand before the judge um, for good or for heaven or for hell. That should orient the way that we live our life here on earth. You know, we should... We should live in a way that reflects eternity. And so I think that, you know, there is no fear of the Lord. There's not very much fear of the Lord and fear of that judgment. Um, and we obviously want to preach good news and love and all that. But we want to keep in mind that we are all going to die. And at the end of our lives, we will be judged on love, not on our accomplishments or our quarterback statistics or how much we have in our bank account or any of that. And so I think to help people understand that this life is fleeting and it's passing, it's hard to know that when you're young. Um, I think a, a wake up call in my own life was when I was 15 and my brother was killed in a car accident. And all of a sudden, the concept of death and, and what's after death came very, very close to me. And I think and people who have encountered suffering know this reality that um, this life will not last forever. So I think that's important for us to lay hold of and to put our hope in eternity. When you, when you mention fear of the Lord, I'll give you one of my, my favorite scriptures. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and you know, I never thought about it that way. I, I, you know, Joe, God, Joe, God bless him. Um, started practicing his faith. Um, you know, again, after college, uh, unfortunately I'm a slow learner. So I wasn't practicing from the time I was in my teens. So I was in my late thirties, thank God. But that was one of the things that hit me right in the face. Yes. You're supposed to fear God, but then when you read further, all right, well, fear of the Lord is what it's the beginning of wisdom. Okay. And, 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 and we, which is something that we're sorely lacking, particularly in our culture. If you're just joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, uh, we're having a great conversation with Peter and Debbie Herbeck. We're grateful that they've written a new book, Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ Centered Marriage. Please buy it from the publisher. We want to support our Catholic publishers. This one is Emmaus Road Publishing. Now, one thing, Peter and Debbie, that Joe and I do not do on the show, we don't, we do not bash the leadership. Okay. That's not our, not our thing. Okay. We're respectfully critical and we ask some questions. Okay. And we happen to think that, you know, uh, Joe taught pre-Cana. 
okay, uh, for a while. And um, and he can tell you probably more than me, but I've seen it for myself uh, having taught RCIA, um, is that, you know, I don't we don't think a lot of Catholics really are being formed properly in in the way the Catholic Church, let me say it like this, used to. Um, it seems like pre-Cane is just some sort of a thing you just got to do and just let's get that done and then just move on. Is there something lacking in the formation for young couples within the church? Is there something that we could be doing a whole lot better in that regard? Um, for sure. I mean, I think there are some good marriage prep programs out there, but I think for the most part, they're they're not sufficient. They don't address um, what a couple really needs um, in this particular. You said it used to be good. I, I you know I don't know if it used to be good, but it's not good enough for the what the times we're living in and the the cultural challenges that we're facing. Um, statistically, it's showing that it's not good enough. We need to prepare our young couples um, for the sacrament of marriage to live. You know to live a life lifetime of marriage together. And I don't think many, many parishes or many, many dioceses know how to do that as well. And I would love to see the church invest even more resource in raising up leaders who know how to accompany young couples, not just to their wedding day, because the wedding day is, is just the doorway to a whole lifetime, but who can accompany couples as they're walking through these different phases and, and stages of married life um, like discipleship, like we all need um, to help them, especially when it, it gets tough. Yeah, I, I mean, we we been, we were helped all along the way by different people, you know, before marriage and after marriage, that practical wisdom. I mean, Debbie and I are both, uh, you know, from you know, dysfunctional families we came from. My dad was an old commander in Patton's Third Army Battle of Bulge. He sp spoke fluent German. He was at the liberation of Mauthausen concentration camp for two weeks there helping out. And so he he had traumas in his life and it affected our family. And, you know, we were totally imperfect. You know what I mean? It's not like we're, we glowed in the dark and we have this perfect marriage. And I'm from a small little German community in southern Minnesota. Debbie's a, from, a, from Highland Park, Illinois, a very successful Jewish community, you know, on the north side of Chicago. Our, our backgrounds are really different, you know, and our temperaments are really different. So you throw that all in there and and there's a lot that can stand in the way. And I remember um, here's a, here's an example of the kind of help we got that was difference making. And it's in the book and a lot of practical stuff's in there. And one of one of the couples we got, we started having kids when we started having kids, life got really busy and our communication wasn't on par where it needed to be. And we we're trying to, uh, you know, get focused on the right things. And a friend of mine said, look, you guys should have a have a weekly husband and wife meeting. Get a babysitter, not a date night. You can have date nights, but a, but a, a, a meeting, a, give yourself an hour to 90 minutes to do three or four things. Number one, look at your wife and ask her how she's doing and listen to her, okay? And then she can ask the same thing of you and listen. Then ask, how are each of the kids doing? Because you're making disciples and those kids belong to Jesus Christ and he cares about how you're raising them and he wants to help us. So you'd say, how's Josh doing? How's Sarah doing? How's Mike doing? What do they need? What's the battle they're going through right now, you know, in different ways? And then we'd look at, we'd get out a calendar and say, what's happening in the Herbeck family in the next 10 days? I'm traveling internationally. Debbie's got some. We got young people living with us. We're raising our own. We got a lot going on. And we get our schedules together to try to find some peace. You know what I mean? Like she knows all when I'm driving carpools, when she's driving carpools. And, and then we'd get on our face, you guys. We'd get out a rosary after that and we just start praying and we said lord you know we fail lord help us 
You know, help us now to keep an eye on this child who's really struggling with something. Give us wisdom right now. And we had times when we were on our knees together crying, sometimes just hands in the air, thanking God for what he's doing. And our, you know, our real testimony is God actually helps you. If I mean, if you really are intentional and you're really after this and you're hungry for it, you'll get it. And he will bless it. He will bless you despite your weaknesses. Just keep repenting and keep coming. You know what I mean? He'll pick you up and he'll keep coming. So that's the kind of stuff we have in the book. I think that was people helped us with and it made a big difference for us. Absolutely. And the book is uh, Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage. That's available at Emmaus Road Publishing. Uh, guys, where else other than the publisher is it available? It's on. You can get it at Amazon. You also get it on our website at renewalministries.net. Encourage people to come there. All the videos we do, all the TV shows, all the radio shows, all the free stuff is there at renewalministries.net. You can get the book that way. Absolutely. Free shipping too from from renewal. So all right, awesome. Yeah, uh, renewal ministries. Obviously, we've been doing it a long time. Uh, fantastic resource. So we'd encourage everybody go get them there, go get on their mailing list. This is where you're getting daily emails from renewal ministries. Joe Rasinello, we uh, probably have time to start a question before the break. Well, let's talk about love. I think there's a misunderstanding about it. Um, just from my understanding, when I was involved in pre-Cana. Love means to sacrifice. You see, I think when people go into marriage, it's what am I going to get? It's what am I going to give? Love is about sacrifice. And family life is messy. I have five kids. They're under eight years old. I live in a small house. My wife works at the kitchen table, and I work in New York. My house is nuts. <laughs> nuts in plain English. And there's nothing sad, like, like, it's not like, you know, we're not on the cover of People magazine, you know, like, and love, but I love my wife. I love her more than the day I married her because of what she does for our family. Um, people don't understand that. And I think they're buying something they don't understand. They're getting married. And then when stuff starts happening, the deep, deep sacrifices that are called on a man and a woman in a marriage. Not everyone has five kids, but everyone has gonna be called to sacrifice in their own way. God does that for us. So he shows us what it means to die to self. You either accept it or you reject it. But knowing that helps you. People don't. And I think it, it's like a sledgehammer. It just bowls them over and then they say, I'm out. I'm, this is not what I signed up for. Well, actually it is. Talk about that, Debbie, because I mean, I, I, I'm interested in your perspective. And I actually want to hear Peter's too, because you're you've been you guys been doing it a lot longer than I. Well, I think, you know, without Christ in our lives, um, who is love, we don't know how to love and we don't know even know what love looks like. So we end up taking all of our cues from the world around us. And the, the current culture around us is love is emotion. Um Love is, yeah, love is a feeling, love is sex, uh, love is attraction. Um, and so all those things, if that's all love is, and when those things, you know, wear off or fade away or um, ebb and flow, which they do, um, then love goes away. But when you're united to Christ and really, you know, the marital relationship is a reflection of our un union with Christ himself. Um, 
but when we're united to Christ, we're actually loving out of the love that he's, he has poured into us because we really cannot do it on our own. I remember we were married maybe seven years. We had three kids under um, six at the time. And I remember thinking, I don't know how to love. Like, I'm just beginning to realize that what I thought was love is not love. You know, Thomas Aquinas teaches, St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that, you know, to love is to will the good of another, which gets towards the sacrificial nature that you were talking about. And so um, the reason it's a school of love is because we learn how to do it as we're put in those situations with Christ as our teacher. The world cannot teach us much about love. Movies can't teach us much about love. Books can't teach us much about love. But Christ can teach us what it looks like to love in our, in our everyday lives. And that love grows and bears much fruit. So um, the people that um, around us that are loving deeply and learning how to love and we're teaching how to love are putting trying to put Christ in their life first so that the fruit of the love, the fruit of love is evident in their own life. Which is absolutely let's take a break real quick, Peter, because I want to come back. I want to get your comments on love and sacrifice, or love is sacrifice. Uh, so you're with the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with Peter and Debbie Herbeck on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network discussing their new book, Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage. Uh, as Peter mentioned, you could go to the website, Renewal Ministries, to buy the book. You could buy from the publisher, which we would encourage you to do so, Emmaus Road Publishing. And if you have to, Go ahead, go buy it from Amazon. But don't tell Joe and Joe because we're going to be upset if you do. Uh, so stick around. We have another great segment uh, coming to you uh, with Peter and Debbie Herbeck. We'll be right back. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in. And let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. We are way in the breach with Peter and Debbie Herbeck. We're discussing their new book, Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage. Uh, if you're just joining us, you're, we are at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. So, Peter, before the break, we were talking about love. And, and I mean, like you said, you mentioned what the culture says, Debbie, what Hollywood says. That's all I keep thinking in my mind when I hear about love is that 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 annoying line from Love Story. Love is never having to say you're sorry. Okay, please, give me a break. Uh, Just so, the opposite, actually. <laughs> exactly, right? Yes, exactly. Love is having to say you're sorry, often, especially when dealing with my wife. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a naughty, naughty word. Sacrifice is a naughty, naughty word nowadays. I mean, just go look at Hollywood. Go look at the music industry. Go look at uh, all these Hollywood stars, uh, athletics, professional sports, all of it. Self, Self-sacrifice, giving something up for someone else. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I don't want any part of that. That seems to be the prevailing message on what, on on this distorted version i mean if if love exists out there right now in our culture i would say the most the the predominant form of love is self-love that's what's going on out there so peter i'm going to hand it over to you love sacrifice your comments yeah and i, I think uh, the title of this book lessons from the school of love kind of came from when my oldest daughter our first marriage of the family uh, got married a priest friend of ours was presiding at it and he one of the passages was you know love is patient love is kind from first corinthians 13 and he's kind of reading it he kind of goes through it and then he goes it says love never fails and he stops and he goes hmm he looked at everybody in the church packed church he goes that's funny love seems to fail all the time 
and everybody just kind of froze, you know? And then he said, it's the love of Christ toward us that helps us that never fails. Human love always fails. Then he, then he turned to Sarah and Rick and goes, you know, we know you two, we're excited for both of you right now, but I want to say something to you. You don't know how to love. You're now entering the school of love, which is what it's all about. Now, Jesus himself is going to teach you how to love. And so then for us as Catholics, one of the reasons, you know, so few people are going to church, so few people understand, you know, the numbers have dropped, so few people understand the Eucharistic presence of Jesus, you know, his real presence of the Eucharist. And here we are. This is what defines us. And sometimes I sit there, like just last Sunday, I had this thought, you know, going to communion, I thought to myself, not only do we see the love of Christ, but uh, in my heart, I thought, wow, look at how sin sick the human heart is. Love came and we crucified him. I mean, love came. And John Paul used to say, you see the face of man in the crucifixion as well as the face of God, God's love, but also the lack of love in the human heart. So our starting point is we need supernatural help to con continue to make the decision to love. Love is a decision to will the good of this person that I've I've pledged myself to and made a covenant to, right? And so I have to battle what the world tells me is I better be thrilled day and night. You know, I better be have passion everywhere, romance everywhere. It's got to be great. She better make me feel good every day. If not, I'm going to have to get somebody else, especially when you get old. You got to, you know, you got to go get somebody half your age, all that stuff that's in the culture. That's that's a fallen human, you know, surrender to the flesh. You know, the flesh in the scripture is what? To will my good, it's about me, right? My will be done, not God's will be done. So, so many... Catholics have literally never come to the decision to, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, because really the, the mass Catholic marriage is for disciples. It's about, it's for disciples. And he said, if you're going to be my disciple to come after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. And today, as you said, no, that's a buzzkill, man. Nobody wants to talk about that. Priests don't want to preach about that because people don't want it, don't like it in this world we live in. He said, no, this is actually what it's all about, to deny yourself. That is the power that I have that given to me to, to put myself first or put God first or put others first, you know? And so if I make that decision, the Lord's going to help me. He's going to teach me how to do it. And uh, and then you you get the, the old man starts to die over time, and then you come into a different way of loving and living. And the Lord teaches it. You know, you always stumble and fall along the way, but the richness, I mean, it's so... I mean, anyway, I could say so many things, Deb, but I want to jump. I have to be careful because I talk too much. So I just want to make sure she gets Good. a word in edgeway. <laughs> um, I, I would say this. I'm listening to everything you guys are saying, and I'm reflecting on my 10 years of marriage and thinking about the title of your book, The School, The School of Love. Well, what do you do in school? You learn, okay? Um, and, 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 and go, you know, going into marriage, because I lived a selfish lifestyle for a long time in my adult life, um, I can't tell you how I couldn't point on it to a date in time when Christ was operative in our marriage. But I do know this, that along the way, just like anything else you learn, when you're first learning it, it you, you stumble and everything else and you're not quite sure. You, you, but as you learn it and you get better at it, it becomes second nature. OK, mm -hmm. and this way, that sacrifice that I was wholly unwilling to do in my entire life when I met my wife. And, and we we have a sacramental marriage, okay? And she was in the same boat as me. She didn't walk on water, neither did I, okay? These things start to become easy, not easy, but easier to do. You're not you're not think you're not overthinking it so much because 
Christ is teaching you along the way. And now as you're learning, it's kind of like um, decisions aren't as difficult anymore, if you know where I'm going with that. It's very simple. When confronted with a problem, you know how to respond because Christ has already taught you how to respond. But that, again, comes from the sacraments. That comes from praying. That comes from living, living the Catholic life. Debbie, your comments, please. Well, I think there's so many practical implications of that day in and day out. Um, for us, it was forgiveness, learning how to give and receive forgiveness. Like in order for to to love genuinely, you have to be able to say, um, I messed up. This is humility, which we started talking. This whole conversation um, began with humility. I'm sorry. I'm not perfect. I know that I've hurt you. Please forgive me. And then the other person to be able to um receive that forgiveness and say, yes, I do forgive you. We taught it to our kids from when they could start speaking. This is how you repair a relationship so that we're not piling up all these resentments um, toward one another. We're not um, keeping track of wrongs. Um, we're not rejoicing in one another's wrongs, um, but we're learning how to forgive and how to let it go. And that comes through Christ teaching us to do that through the power of God in our relationship to to repair things um, so that we can move on. So very practically how we speak to one another, you know, uh, we're not going to speak to one another in a way that, um, that slanders one another, um, especially not in front, in, not in front of the children. We're going to speak to one another in a way that encourages one another, that affirms, that um, expresses value and dignity of that person. We're not going to just let familiarity or temper or a bad temper or anger kind of destroy the way we we relate to one another so very practically it's not just like oh this is a good concept or a good theory as we talk about love like it's not up here it is in the day-to-day -day in so many practical ways how we choose to serve one another and relate to one another and, and also the forgiveness piece also in terms of parents being willing to seek forgiveness from their child you know like i, I there's a story in the book where i i ended up uh one night trying to put the boys to bed when they were in junior high you know early junior high and they weren't listening to me and i went down there three times and they didn't listen to me they're bouncing off the walls and i was just in not a good place i was discouraged beaten up with different things and i I thought, not, not even my nobody listens to me. Not even my boys are listening to me. So I got mad, and I go down, and I pulled a Bobby Knight. I threw a chair across the room and hit the wall, you know, and that scared him half to death, you know, and I was yelling and stuff. And then I came back upstairs, and Debbie was in bed. I laid down, and she goes, well, that was helpful, you know. It's like, it's like you're going to leave it like that? Scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So here's these decision points. I said, wait a minute. It's their fault, and they deserved it. You know what I mean? It's like I'm sitting there laying there. I am not going to go down there. She said, no. Yes. Ang ang what does scripture say? Be angry, but don't sin. You went too far. Now go repair it. You know, don't let the sun go down on your anger or on them. So I went down and got the boys out. They weren't thrilled about it, but we talked and 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 I and I sat them down and I described both what they had done wrong and what I had done wrong. And I asked, I said, boys. Um, dad, I want to ask you forgiveness. This, dad throwing the chair across the room and yelling is not what the Lord wants for me and for you, okay? And so I ask your forgiveness. And, you know, they're like, I don't want to forgive. I'm mad at you. You know, it's a great moment to say, boys, forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision. And the reason I'm asking forgiveness is I'm living under the Lordship of Jesus, and I know what he wants me to do, even though I don't want to do it, you know? And you feel the same way. So let's both do what he wants us to do so our family can be what he wants it to be. You know, so things like that, you know, because you just want to just roll over that stuff, 
but it's 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 so practical living under the lordship of Jesus, and it's so freeing and it's so helpful, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm glad you used the word freeing because I think a lot of times people will have a mistaken notion of you know what it is to what it is to be free when when you're not living in Christ. Well, that's when you're having when you have a problem, but when you are, you're liberated, and we could have a whole other show on that. Joe Rasinello. I want to talk about contraception because I think this is something that a lot of Catholics I've been, I went to Catholic school. I've been to a million weddings. Um, I I'll be honest with you. I don't know many people that are open to life. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, and I think it's a marriage killer because contraception, I don't know if many people think about it. Um, it says, I only love you this much and I'm using you and you're using me. And that's a marriage killer. That's going to bleed into other aspects of marriage. Um, it also shows a lack of faith and trust in God. I am not rich, to be honest with you. Um, I have five kids. I don't know how I'm going to educate them. I'm going to be truthful with you. And I think people also live in a material world. Uh, the people I work with make a lot more than me. When I told them I was having my fifth kid, their head, they I, they were like looking at I like a, I was a Martian, like you're having a fifth child. Yeah. And this is, I think, a problem in the church. People don't either have faith enough that God will provide. And frankly, it's cutting off the grace in the marriage because it's a sin. To be honest with you, it's part of your vow to be open to life. Um and I think, well, let's talk about it. What do, what do you think, Debbie? Well, I totally agree with you that, you know, contraception and a contraceptive mentality is not the mentality of, of a follower of Jesus who's saying, I'm putting my whole life in your hands and I trust the outcome. Um, I trust you're going to provide and care for us and provide financially, emotionally, spiritually for all that we need for these children. I think it's such a beautiful witness, um, this then openness to life, um, to be able to not only welcome children into the world, but welcome children that the world doesn't want into the world is an incredible witness. Um, mm -hmm. And so I we are so proud as as parents now and grandparents to watch our children as they're getting married and their openness to life. We have um, a son and daughter and a daughter and son-in-law who are now do with their fifth child. And so it's such a beautiful thing to see and to see how the family now um, comes together to really be an icon of what it what it means to trust in the Lord, not just the parents, but the kids. I mean, they got to they got to pull their way too now. And it's not just about the one kid that's getting everything they could possibly want. So I think marriage and fam particularly family life is such a beautiful witness to to God's provision and God's God's love. And I think it is the mentality of our culture that's very self self-centered and and selfishness um is such a big thing. Entitlement. Like I deserve this, you know. Um I just spent a week with 18 high school kids in the garbage dump in Mexico City on mission. Talk about a little bit of a culture shift, you know. Um we need to be with the poor. We need to see how the poor live and how the poor learn to trust Jesus. Um, that's such a beautiful witness to us. So, so I agree. I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Wholeheartedly with you. I think, um, again, converted 
couples have children. <laughs> Unconverted couples tend to want to keep their life for themselves and maybe their dogs or something. Yeah, and I, I think I think one of the things we have to keep in mind, uh, brothers, again and again, is the teaching, for example, on contraception and the whole teaching of the life of the kingdom of God is a teaching for converted people. Not that others can't gain wisdom from. What do I mean by that? To live that life, you need the superior pleasure of knowing Christ Jesus to fill your heart, your first love. And it's not just a constant emotion, but it's a real thing. Like King David said in Psalm 16, you know, in his right hand are pleasures forevermore. You have to be accessing from your faith something that's real to overcome the selfishness. So for example, for a guy who says, look, I can't, you can't expect me to, to not have sex for a period of time during the month. Can't do that. I can't live that way. It's a total bummer. I don't want to do that. In fact, I can't do it. Or they're afraid or they're they're selfish or whatever. That those internal fears and drives, it says Paul, Paul says in Romans 8, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What what death is the demands of no, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to look at the whole. Uh, I'm not going to believe the church on this. I'm not going to listen to this contraceptive thing because I simply don't want it. I don't want it. And I don't want it because I want that pleasure. I want the pleasure when I want that pleasure. And so, well, that's that's not the mind of a disciple. And so how do you get from here to there? It's becoming, once you find the pearl of great price, like Debbie said, it said, no, you know what? The whole way to live, the whole way to live is to follow him. He says it, I want it. Now, if it's hard, don't matter. He's going to help me. If I fall, I go to confession, I get back up, and I go again. You know what I mean? And so that's a critical piece, and it, it goes across life, you guys. Like, even I see a lot of I see a lot of Catholics, you know, for example, in something very practical. Their kids are involved in sports, and higher up the food chain you go, the more it dominates your life, you know? My kids were very athletic, and so we had to make decisions to say, okay, you know, if you get involved in AU and these kinds of things to help a kid play at the competition level he can play at, you, all the finals are on Sunday morning. This championship games are on Sunday mornings. People don't go to church. And so one of my kids, as he, as he started getting up there and playing on a Nike-sponsored team and these kinds of things, I'd say, to, I'd say, okay, these are great opportunities. I want you to be able to use your talents. But there's a set of things that we agree on. If this coach wants you and they're willing to pay for you to do this, that helps us because we don't have the money, um, he has to agree Sunday morning is mass time. And if the finals are on, if the finals are on, you know, the championship game is on. And the only time we can get to mass is that time you're going to mass. You can't play. It's that simple. And uh, we sat down with the coach and said that, you know, he agreed. He said, okay, if that's your family, those are your family values. You go ahead and do that. We always made sure one of us was there or another parent to make sure that the kids got to church no matter what basketball doesn't come first well there's a whole set of catholics people know they would never do that because they're like oh my gosh my son can't miss that game because his future the opportunities no the future's in the, a disciple understands that the future's in the hands of the lord right not in the hands of whatever school or whatever was recruiting him and ironically you know he ended up in a great place he ended up going to west point he ended up being the captain of the basketball team there you know, he's grad, he's in grad school, he's graduating this week from grad school at Ross Business School at Michigan, and God's providing for him. He's just being a good dad. He's got two little boys, and God provides, but you have to make those practical decisions that, am I in or am I not? Am I all in, Lord, or am I not? And the only way to live it 
is to go all in. And when you stumble and fall, get up. He forgives you and says, keep coming. Absolutely. Joe Rasinello. To piggyback on what you said, and this is something that I fully believe, especially as a parent. Um, and again, I mean, here's your son. He goes to West Point. He's a high achiever. I mean, there's no question about it. The most important thing is to be a practicing Catholic because it guides all your decisions. Yeah. How do I say that? Society does not believe that. Right. Like, like I don't care if my kids stock shelves. If yeah. he's a practicing Catholic and goes to heaven, he wins. 100%. And that's what people don't get. Like parents look for value. I want my kid to learn another language. That's value. I want my kid to play a sport. That's value. I want my kid to go to college. That's value. Value is found. The most important thing is we practice our faith. It's going to guide every decision. It's going to keep my marriage together. It's going to make my kids. It's going to guide how they spend their money, who they're going to marry, the activities they do, what they do with their spare time, how they spend their spare time. People don't see it that way. They don't see it that way. They don't know what they don't know, Joe. They don't know what they don't know. They might be Catholic, but they're unconverted until until you really come to terms in your personal life with following Jesus in the way he commands us to follow him, you know, to, to really put him first. None of it's going to make sense because you still have a worldly mind. You can talk to their blue in the face. I agree with you 100 percent. Those who get crowned in heaven are those who walk in humility. Jesus said, I'm meek and I'm humble of heart, you know. He said the poor the poor are going to receive a crown in heaven and the kingdom, not just the material of poor, but you know what I mean, that they're, we're depending radically on the Lord. The world doesn't crown any of that stuff. It doesn't even pay attention to it. Right. It's, it's weak and stupid, you know, and foolish. You know? I, used to th I used to think uh, that if you said, well, I, I'm just going to lead, you know, in terms of evangelizing, uh, well, I'm just going to lead a Catholic life. And I don't really have to open my mouth. I'm not going to do much, much preaching. Okay. I used to think, you know, that was kind of like, well, a little bit of an, an excuse because you don't want to open your mouth. And where am I going with this? I have changed a bit. I do think that you writing a book, Joe and I on our show, uh, EWTN, all the ways that we can educate um, and evangelize our culture by opening our mouths are obviously very important. But I have shifted a little bit. You're not converting anybody unless they see you actually living out the Catholic life. People see it. You guys know this. You've been married a lot longer, you know, than, than Joe and I have been married to our wives. Okay. 35 years together. God bless you. That that people see that. And that really, really has a big impression on, on how people view Catholics. Unfortunately, in the part of this conversation, we're talking about that a lot of times Catholics are not living the sacramental life. People might look at them and say, oh, why the heck should I be Catholic? You know, they're living, they, that, that, that couple says they're Catholic, they're living just like we do. So, so what's the sense of converting to the Catholic Church? The necessity of, of actually, and again, not wearing it on your sleeve, but, you know, when, when, you know, you live outwardly, you're living that Catholic life, people actually do respond to that. I think part of that is because of the emptiness and darkness in our culture, in our society. Um, now, let me just shift from there real quick, because we don't have a whole heck of a lot of time left, but we're, we're talking about foundational things, things we could do. It's, you, you're, the title of your book is Lessons. You're, you're, you're trying to teach people. So it's Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage. Let's talk about communication, not amongst the spouses, communication with God, okay? The necessity of the, the, the ABCs 
Uh, Joe says it all the time on the show. Okay, if you're not praying the rosary every day, something's going on. You gotta, we gotta have the, the that foundation and communicate with God every single day. Um, talk about how all the things that we're talking, you guys are talking about and wrote in your book that that flows from that communication with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Debbie, you first. Well, I think just practically finding time every single day for prayer and starts with personal prayer. Um, I don't. Um, Peter and I pray together at different times, but the fundamental time I'm spending with God is me and God. Um, Peter is now my intermediary uh, to God. Um, I have a personal relationship with God, um, an individual relationship with God, and I spend time with him um, every day in prayer. Um, try to go to daily mass um, when possible, you know, praying the rosary, different um different devotional practices, but also reading scripture, studying scripture, meditating on scripture, um, bringing my needs before the Lord, and then listening. Like God actually wants to speak to us. He wants to direct our lives, and he wants to show us how it is that we're supposed to live. So personal prayer is really important. And then us, especially when our kids were younger, supporting one another. You know, Peter would come to me, you know, he had young toddlers how can i support you so you can get your prayer time in today you know well you can watch the kids after dinner um so that i can have some quiet time alone um and then taking family prayer very seriously our kids need to know we need to pray with them we need to teach them how to pray um and so we took family prayer very seriously and it took different forms as our kids were different ages but um, teaching them how to not only pray as a family, but how to pray individually themselves. So prayer is probably the most important thing we can do to continue that lifeline, to learn how to abide in Christ. We're, Debbie and I were babysitting uh, four of our grandkids last week, and we, uh, uh, Sarah and Rick were out, and, and so it was bedtime. And we said, okay, kids, uh, prayer time. And so I was just going to do a Hail Mary and Our Father, little Claire. She goes, Grandpa, we do five prayers. We have to do all five, okay? And so I said, what are they, Clary? And, you know, she goes, angel of God, my guardian dear. And she's going through all these different prayers. And so we did all five of those prayers. And I thought, well, God bless Rick and Sarah. You know, they're they're passing on the good infection, you know, and they're they're teaching prayer and they're living prayer and stuff. It was very, very encouraging for us. We didn't, we didn't know kind of the, what their family culture and their habits were, you know. But I would say... Um, one of the reasons why we both realized that we had to help each other and be committed to both praying together, you know, regularly, but also having individual prayers. So I needed to cover, as she's saying, because she's going to get her life and I'm going to get my life, ultimately, spiritual life, living with the Lord and going deeper in that journey together. And that's where uh, I, I love better when I do that. <laughs> I'm less crabby. I, I, I'm more focused. And so is she. And so we have a better chance of helping each other, being in each other's corner on a day-to-day -day basis and how we're living out our life together in our marriage, you know? So, you know, we pray before we go to bed, we pray. Anyway, go ahead. No, I just, yeah. Yeah. That's good. Very good. Very essential. One of the things I heard recently, because again, we're always learning. I always try to remember, I don't know everything, but I'm Italian. So we all think that we know everything, <laughs> but I try to realize that I don't know everything. I heard recently, I never heard it put this way, uh, that prayer is a response. You're not initiating the action. God is initiating the action. You're responding to him knocking on your door to, hey, yo, talk to me today. You know, like, yo, I'll help you get through the day. I'll guide you through the day. I'll guide you through your whole life. I, I've never heard it put that way before, but lately my prayers have been, Lord, you, you called me to talk to you and 
well, here I am, and I want to talk to you. And then I, I, I begin to pray. Your book is Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage. Uh, that is available uh, for all of you out there. We encourage you to go out and buy the book from Emmaus Road Publishing. It is available at Amazon and also at Renewal Ministries. A couple final thoughts. First from you, Debbie, then from Peter, because we're coming up on the end of the show. Well, I think we are in the stage now in our life. Um, you know, we have grandchildren, as Peter mentioned. And because the current culture no longer really supports Christendom as we've known it, um, it's emphasized for us even more how important it is. It's grandparents, that legacy of love that we're passing on, that we've tried to pass on through our to our children through the faith, and now watching them pass on to our grandchildren. And we're still part of that, you know. Um, we're helping create this domestic church that's extended now to a next generation, and we all have to think that way. Um, our job is never done, so to speak. We still want to be a place where our own kids can come to us and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or I'm wondering about how to raise our kids this way, and we can walk alongside them as well and do it with our grandchildren. So it's just a really wonderful time of life of seeing the faith coming alive now in our small grandchildren, but knowing that our children really picked up that baton and they're running with it, which is how it's supposed to be. This is how the faith gets transmitted is first and foremost through the through the domestic church. Yeah, absolutely. So, Peter, we're up at the end of the show. So guess what? Debbie has the last word. Yay. <laughs> but you guys are awesome. You're welcome back at the front line with Joe and Joe anytime. This is a fantastic conversation. Uh, we really loved having you here. So thank you so very much. Thanks for all you're doing. We appreciate it. Good work, Absolutely. guys. Absolutely. Um, and thank you all out there for joining us uh, at the Veritas Catholic Network. Joe Pasillo and Joe Rossinello going way into the breach at the front line with Joe and Joe. Remember, go out and buy the book, Lessons from the School of Love, Cultivating a Christ-Centered Marriage here at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We are spreading the truth of the Catholic faith of the New York City metropolitan area. Two things, you know what I'm going to say. Download the app, share it with your friends, and please help Joe and I out on social media wherever you see us, primarily on YouTube at the Frontline TV and on Twitter at at with Joe and Joe, at with Joe and Joe. Like, subscribe, share, follow, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.